0: news i have some important news for you interesting news it's blake and aaron's spilling the tea with sandy k-man's top news headlines of the day from cmr
1: good morning sandy how are you
2: good morning blake and virtual aaron how are you
1: we are good we are doing well on a thursday Fantastic. what is happening in the land of news
2: yes well we have one more COVID death um, to report
1: Oh, that's this sad. Is,
2: uh, yeah. This is an elderly person, though. So, you know, mm. not to say that we don't care about the elderly, but when you're in your 80s, it's kind of like, as, as K-Manians would say, you're in borrowed time anyway, right? Oh. So. <laughs> that's just a saying. I'm just saying. Oh. Uh, this individual is 86 years old. That's a pretty good age. Um, They passed away from COVID-related causes, but, of course, they had a whole slew of severe Comorbidities at 86 or condolences to their family, of course. Absolutely. Um, 131 new cases since January the 31st. And um, of course, they're doing their weekly analysis, uh, the situational report, which will get more details so it,
1: on It feels like to me that we've peaked then uh, because the numbers are coming down. I'm yeah, the, they're
2: definitely coming down. Um,
1: yeah, they were over 200 in some a day. I, at some point, I know that they were, I think we were close to 300.
2: Mm hmm. Yes, um, so it's uh, it's it's definitely coming down. Um, you know, I don't know whether we peaked or not. Who knows? You know, next week something else sneaks up on you, and it's like, oh, here's this new variant or whatever. So, yeah, yeah we're I, gonna I just continue to to do. I feel like the,
1: I feel like we have spiked, and the numbers are coming down. Uh, it, yeah. it is it has definitely gone through this island. Oh. Uh, yeah. So there there are a lot more people that have it than are being reported and uh yeah. and mostly um you know mild symptoms, like a mild cold, you yeah. know yeah. Uh, obviously we, you know if, if you're older and you you have um, it's compounding other issues then then yeah it could it could lead to to a death which uh, you never want to hear about uh, but this is why we encourage the vaccines and getting boosted so
2: mm-hmm. absolutely um so yes, uh, our condolences are extended to the mm-hmm. family of, uh, of that individual. So the police um, finally did update us in terms of the um, in terms of the armed Probably. robbery that yeah. happened in South Southtown. They did finally send something out late yesterday, and uh, essentially, you know, they've given a description of um, the individuals. So based on what the police have said, it's quite an interesting story. It looks like these individuals came home or came upon the robbers trying to move their safe and uh, with a crowbar. Yeah. So they intercepted the situation and, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, um, the homeowners were, you know, I I can't imagine (laughs) their shock and surprise. But these guys got away with the safe and whatever the contents of the safe uh, were. Um, so it's, uh, you know,
1: you got to imagine that some somewhere right now in a garage or a house, like these guys are trying to crack open the safe, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody knows something.
2: It's, it's gotta be incredibly strange, but they were driving a black vehicle. Um, the police didn't say a BMW, which is what we were told by our informants the day before. But one is described as tall, medium build of dark complexion, wearing a T-shirt covering his face. And the other man was short of dark complexion, slim build and carrying the crowbar.
1: <laughs> so, mm.
2: they, they might exchange the crowbar, though, so don't let that go. Well, uh,
1: it, it was they were extending the courtesy of masking uh, around uh, the homeowners, which was, uh, you know. At least,
2: at least one. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of that, action. you know, yesterday I was at court and, you know, a lot of people wearing, a lot of these guys, especially if they work construction and, you know, um, landscaping, they wear the cover that covers the entire face and yes. you can see the eyes, which yes. is kind of one of those things that you go, oh, wow, okay, maybe you just cover, I mean. Like a know. ninja. But yes, and so um, he showed up to court with this entire <laughs> head covering and the court said no, the court security made him take it off. And they had some masks to give him, and he was arguing, "Well, why do I have to take this off? This is a fa- this is a mask." And they're like, yeah. "Yeah, you're not supposed to be masking your entire head." So, by the way, when you go to court now, um, part of their protocols is they will have you remove your mask, just like at the bank. Look at the camera, so mm-hmm. the camera can see exactly who you are, and then you're able to put your your proper mask on. So they gave him one of the blue um, surgical masks. Yeah. So um, Queen's Jubilee is coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, A bit of excitement around this event. There will be a number of different events planned um, starting this weekend. So I think that everybody's uh, pretty excited about this. Um, It kicks off uh, with government actually doing a couple different things. So the government is launching um, the Queen Jubilee celebrations as part of the worldwide celebrations to commemorate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And she has lasted forever. So on February 6th, which is this weekend, um, 70 years ago, Princess Elizabeth, um, you know, took the throne and became Queen Elizabeth II and began her now seven decades of service to the UK and the territories, including the Commonwealth. This is pretty amazing because she has broken every single record imaginable, like the oldest living, you know, um, like on record the oldest living royal she has been on the throne longer than anybody else um it's just absolutely amazing um you know what she has i mean accomplished and she looks like she's not really slowing down a whole lot she's still going pretty strong for her age especially so
1: on sunday as well uh, the cayman islands will pause for mm. 70 seconds across all three islands at twelve fifteen p.m in recognition Uh, Both the passing of King George in 1952 and Her Majesty uh, the Queen, um, well. uh, Her ascent to the throne. Yes, exactly. So 70 seconds uh, coming up on uh, Sunday at 12.15 p.m. Mm -hmm. So wherever you are, maybe you can do that and take part.
2: Yeah. so this is going to be months and months of celebrating uh, this event going all the way into the summer months as well so stay mm-hmm. tuned for all of the um you know official announcements on what will be happening we were
1: talking the- about it yesterday on the show that a uh, part of that is uh if you look in june it says the return of the international air show which we were t- totally stoked about is that true
2: I, I mean that's what it says june so, the third yeah so, um i'm excited okay. about that a live music concert that would be amazing yeah so fingers so we'll crossed.
1: maybe true. these are just pie in the sky, uh, you know, things that, that, you know, we want to see happen. Maybe yeah. not necessarily going to happen, but I, I'd like to get some confirmation on that. People would love yeah. to see the air show again. Yeah, that, that would be, awesome. that would be really cool. All right, Sandy, uh, we'll catch your show on YouTube and Facebook right now, and we'll see you tomorrow with headlines for the Friday show right here on FM. All right. Have a good one. You too. And our.
2: All right, folks wonderful thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm going to um go ahead and do our show intro i've got my water but i do have to grab um a few other things so sit back relax take a minute and then we're going to jump right in to the conversation this thursday morning happy thursday by the way
0: you're now tuned in to the cold hard truth piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612. email tips at cayman now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning, beautiful people. Rise and shine. How is everyone doing? Yay. I'm. Um, you guys are all wonderful let me just uh, send one quick message here Um, mm -hmm. so um i'm glad to (laughs) say um my cleaning lady is back today after taking a month plus vacation and then being hit by COVID. It's been more like two months that we have not seen her. So hooray for the return <laughs> of Miss Pam. Boy, am I, am I excited. Uh, I preempted her visit by trying to get a few loads of laundry done last night so that she doesn't have quite as much washing to do. Um, but she's in peace. Does anybody else overrun by laundry. We're going to get into the serious conversations here, but I'm just wondering, am I the only one who's like, there's so many loads and you got to, I don't iron, I steam my stuff and you got to fold towels and fold this and fold that. And oh my goodness. Sometimes Marshall, I think we have way too many clothes. Good morning, Irvlyn. Good morning, Diamond Princess. And then you realize how much stuff is in your closet That honestly, you never even wear. I feel like I recycle a lot of the same outfits all the time. I don't know why that is. Um, You know, there's stuff that I keep all the way up at the top that doesn't quite fit. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get there as part of my 50 by 50 journey. Speaking of that, I ran into, um, first of all, yesterday was very, very eventful. You guys know that I've been following this trial um, with this man, and he actually got off yesterday. I was so shocked. I missed the, the jury's um, decision, but, you know, I got, I got it from other sources. But they actually um, found him not guilty in all seven counts. I was, I was really, really surprised. Uh, jurors surprise me all the time. Uh, jurors can be extremely unpredictable. You know, you can't go by... Um, necessarily uh, what you think is gonna happen. I feel like I have a little bit of cream on my face. Um, so he was accused of raping his own daughter and the jury didn't think that I guess the prosecution proved their case, despite the 11 year old child giving eyewitness testimony. Now I was thinking about this. I'm gonna do a completely separate editorial on this. because I think there's a couple things that happened here, including the police. <laughs> as usual, not doing the best job. My God, how many times do you think they're gonna mess up a case as it relates to young people before we say, let's immerse them into some proper training or get officers who that's what they do. And so those are the only cases that they work. I am just um, so disappointed all the time when I see police on the sand fumbling and messing up and getting angry when they're being asked questions about their lack of competency. Anyway, um, really, really sad situation, but I thought about this. How does this story end? She's not in his care right now because these allegations, is she returned? Is this child going to be returned to her father now to live with him? Social services also dropped the ball. I'm gonna go into some details. I may not be today, but I'm gonna go into some details of how they dropped the ball. But I'm disappointed for more reasons than one. Anyway, uh, we'll get we'll get to that story. Good morning, Jackie. Um, good morning, Virtuous. Um, she says, I know the feeling since last year, I've lost about seven loved ones. Uh, yes, I mean, absolutely. Her condolences. Um, was that a, was that a super rude comment? Uh, Caribbean people say this all the time that once once you reach a certain age, because doesn't the Bible say something about you know, I don't know that anybody's guaranteed a certain age, but the Bible says you know if you've reached like seventy or whatever, consider yourself blessed, and then after that, it's it's borrowed time. Is that not the term that we use? Um, <clears throat> you know, in other words, you're getting a little bit extra. Uh, it's interesting. <clears throat> that um christians believe that but buenos dias miss rita barbara leroy felicia tommy joining us from the bahamas right tommy Um, numeria says pleasant and morning sandy what a beautiful day and so blessed here in the cayman islands no wonder they don't want to leave when they come (laughs) and there's so much more to being blessed it's not just the weather child the weather's nice but some people i had a young man say to me last night you know, I am so sick and tired of being a Caymanian. I thought, Lord, that's not a good thing. <clears throat> Just feeling disenfranchised about everything. Siobhan, good morning. Louis says he survived the snowstorm yesterday. Six inches instead of eleven to fifteen. Well, that's good. Uh, snowblowers probably sold out of stock. Yes. Chantal, good morning. Good morning to Miss Emma. Um, Siobhan says it's three scores and 10. How much is a score? Uh, how many years is that? I feel like that's like 70 or something. Good morning, Reggie. How are you three? What is three scores and 10? Hold on three scores. Why couldn't the Bible just be very simple in its language? (laughs) So, um, of course we know that the Bible is, is translated. So three scores is 60. Okay. Plus ten to seventy. At least I had the final number right. I thought it was seventy. So um, according to the Bible, the average life expectancy is seventy years. So any anything you get after that, you know, you're doing good. Um, oh, will look at, listen to this. This um, this interpretation says that the Bible never promised you three scores and ten um it just said psalms 90 10 says does make a reference to that period saying the days of our years are three scores and 10 so it doesn't mean that you're going to get it as we well know uh interesting anyway let's let's not get too off course today because we need to continue the conversation from yesterday so good morning ervlyn good morning miss anne debbie's here janine says 20 Yes. 20 times three. Yes. Three. Thank you so much. 20 years is a score. Um, so good morning. Richard says, yes, it is rude. That what, who's to say what extra in regards to age, my condolences. Um, well, it wasn't meant to be rude. So my apologies if you guys took it that way. So Marshall says it promises, um, the interpretation is it doesn't actually promise it. It just says, you might get it. You might not get it. <laughs> Jake Manderson, good morning. <sighs> Sometimes you just can't, even, even in uh, your darkest moments, I think you have to find a little bit of something to smile about in life, a little bit of humor because Lord knows stress alone would kill you in life and you'll never make it to three scores and anything. Um, So yesterday we were talking about the auditor general's report and we're not done because it's only 19 pages, but I feel like there's a lot packed in to the 19 pages. So we haven't really gotten into the details of the expo. So let me tell you some of the conversations that were occurring around it. And I want to clarify um, a few things for everyone's benefit. Uh, First of all, oh, let me finish this thought. So when I was at court yesterday after the verdict, I was outside speaking to the defense attorney and, you know, when you go to court all the time, you develop a rapport with these lawyers and, you know, you have conversations with them. So it's like last week I was at the coffee shop and I was sitting at a table. Um, actually, there was an attorney sitting there and I said, Hey, can I just sit here for a second? Cause I needed to plug in my laptop. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we start talking about, you know, all oh, the prisoners were calling you and um, so on and so on, you know, and um he, he had a little bit of a chuckle because he said, yeah, I think some of my clients were the ones who were actually calling you. And I said, oh, that's funny. Um, so then after that, the following day, another defense attorney said, oh, I heard you were talking to so-and-so and that you guys are besties. And I'm like, Lord, the way that rumors start on this island is so funny. You share a table with someone, with a lawyer. All of a sudden, you're either married to that person, have an affair with that person. You're having a golden baby, a golden child, or you're best friends. And I thought... Um, no not not quite uh, so I was stand up speaking to this lawyer and this woman came up who was really like a rabid um what's what's rabid the, the, what's, what's the animal that came here Squ- what, not a squirrel um what's the one that got loose the rabid uh, what's the one that got loose that we were all looking for? Normally, they're rabid because they get rabies. Um, oh, good grief. What is that? What is that little animal called that we, everybody thinks is so cute? Thank you, Debbie. Raccoon. Thank you, Louie. Oh, so she was actually like a rabid raccoon. And I was like, what the hell? So this is what happened. I'm standing up having a perfectly normal conversation in front of the coffee shop with this lawyer. We're actually talking about how cases could be better at the end of the cases, especially cases that deal with children. What are some of the things that they could implement? She, I saw her drive by in this black Mercedes. And the only reason why I noticed her is she had the, the radio down, uh, the radio, down, the window down, and the radio blasting this ridiculous music. Ghettofied is the only word that I could think of that came into my head at the moment. So, anyway, um, you know, it didn't, it's like, ugh. you know, when you see people going by blasting music in the middle of town, you're like, roll up your windows and you can enjoy music at a decent audible level. When you do that, who are you playing your music for exactly? Because the rest of us don't want to hear it. You know, I've been in a car. You can you can crank that up pretty loud, where you're not disturbing people outside the car. So I always think people like that are trying to draw attention to themselves. They're attention seekers, right? So um, anyway, she. Uh, thank you, Emma. She gets. She pulls up by the library. Not worried about how she's parked or anything like that, comes over to this attorney and I and starts saying, Oh, um, I hope you're not talking to her about my case. And I was like, Who the freak are you? I'm like, Who are you? S- sometimes people think in their own minds that they're more important than they actually are. And he's like, You don't lies on my brother. And then nah, nah, nah. and I was like, Who who? I'm looking at the lawyer, like, what is she talking about? My brother Freddie, and then. Nah, nah, nah. And I was like, her brother Freddie. And I'm thinking, okay, how many criminals have we had named Freddie that we probably covered in a story? I'm like, who the hell is Freddie? And she's just going on, oh, you know who I am. And I'm like, actually, I don't know who you are, but I know right now you're actually a little bit crazy. But I don't know. I don't. I have no clue who you are, woman. Who are you? Why don't you just say who you are? Since you think you're so important that I'm supposed to know who you are, just tell me. And she kept going on, oh, you know who. I am? And I was like, Lord. I said, girlfriend. I said, you're crazy. I said, who's your brother Freddie? Oh, he didn't do that. He wasn't looking at no child porn. Ay, ay, ay caramba. I said, oh, Freddie that was convicted by a jury. and i got nothing to do with me. We only reported the story. Uh, for looking at child porn of young babies, that's who you're defending about. That's your brother? Well, I never could figure out who Freddie was related to. You know, and I'm not really the best with like family relations, like this one family to this one, whatever, because I didn't really grow up in Cayman, so I don't, I don't know. Oftentimes, people have to point it out to me, but obviously, Freddie has some real Caymanian connections, right? Because she was like raw, raw. I don't know what part. Of, I don't know exactly where she's from, but you know, she's like bona fide Caymanian with that stinking attitude sometimes that people can have. That's very, very. uh It can be very commanding, you know? Oh, now my brother, and I was like, "Uh uh-huh. I said, oh, so, I said, okay, now I know who Freddie is. So your brother was convicted. Yeah, but he was convicted by a bunch of retards. And this is what, literally this is what she did. She was like, he was convicted by a bunch of retarded jurors. I was like, (laughs) honestly, I was like, what? Are you crazy? So, you know, you're not going to roll up on me and be yelling and screaming at me. And I'm just going to be like, oh, my God, I'm afraid. I was like, listen, you need to back the hell up off of me right now. okay? you need to take your crazy somewhere else. Because and the lawyer was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm having a private conversation with Sandy. No. Why would we talk about you? Who the hell are you? You know, he's like, go away. If she wouldn't leave. So her poor lawyer cuz she's like I've been trying to call you and you're not answering your phone and he was like really as though you are my only client in the whole wide world lady uh when do you want to meet I need to speak to you and then and so then she proceeds to tell me here's what she said about her brother she's like yeah and I know at least three guys in prison um Bobo um Bobo number 2 and Bobo number 3 she actually named them I don't I can't remember their and she's like, um, she says, yeah. And, and you know what? You know what they tell me? You know what they do? They break into people's house and they go sit down and they eat food. And, they, and I mean, she was going on this like this. Like she's yelling at her voice. I was like, oh, so the, the excuse now is somebody broke in to your brother's house to sit down, eat food and watch porn and download porn. And I said, oh, yeah, for seven hours, somebody did that. And your brother never saw somebody breaking into his house sitting out, eating a sandwich, kicking out their feet and watching porn on his personal computer that was sitting in the living room. And the wife claims that she's a light sleeper. And some of this was happening in broad daylight when your brother was home. I was like, girl, please step, step off people and go sit down. You are just, you are just, a, you are just demonstrating your level of ignorance. What the heck is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I was like, mm. anyway, she had some kind of purple looking hair. I don't know who she is, but Oh, that's who she is. The purple hair threw me off. Oh, because then she said that I posted something about her being in a robbery or something. And I was like, woman, I don't even know who you are. Like, I legit, thank you. Well, y'all are smart. Y'all are like, like little detectives. Oh, let's show her picture. Yes, that is her. She has purple hair now, by the way. So um, she kind of threw me off. But. I didn't say anything about her being in some Brinks robbery. Like, I don't even know what she's talking about. Like, sometimes people legit rule up and be talking foolishness. And I have no clue what they're talking about. And look at this. This is who she is. Okay. Oh, girlfriend. She is something else. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. She is. Ooh. So Freddie, what's her name? Does anybody know her name? So Freddie is her brother oh Betty Christian Ah, uh, okay I do remember her in this bag of money because she posted this um oh poor Betty Christian oh my god she needs help whoa uh uh so someone said yeah she was posted years ago uh because I think she's just posted because she was flashing all this money. Oh wow, she actually could be a really pretty girl. Look at this other picture of her. Wow, somebody need to get her some, Mm. Mm -mm. what a mess. I mean, minus the attitude and the current hairstyle, she's actually not a bad looking girl. Look at this, this is a pretty picture. But ooh, she has, so she's Freddie's sister? Well, thank you, Betty, for letting us know that. I mean, I certainly had no idea. Um, where is she where is she from? West Bay, Georgetown. Who who she be? Who is she from? Oh, she is special child, Martinez. Hmm. Is she related to the um, Martinez's from kind of like the Newlands area? Savannah? I don't know who this woman is, but all I know is, boy, she was like, mm-mm. That's his sister. Well, now we know, because I I was always sitting there during the trial thinking, who is Freddie related to? Um, Well, she certainly didn't come. So I said to her while she was having her rabid moment from bottom town, okay. While she was having her rabid moment, I said to her, I said, by the way, I don't recall seeing you in court. So you never heard any of the evidence against your brother. You didn't hear the prosecution case. And you didn't hear what the defense tried to say in his defense. So how can you how can you you know, say anything about, oh, somebody broke into your brother's house to sit down and watch porn? I mean, that's like the stupidest excuse I've ever heard. But she's like, yeah, this retarded you is. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, Cha, Rasta and Backside, and BBC. And so she was getting very, very animated. And I was like, girl, stop wasting my time. Before I have to pop off a few words on you in public, um, go, go sit down, okay, just go away. So funny enough, this is some Bula says she's a crackhead. I don't know, boy, she might have been in something. I don't know, because I thought that was Rarrr. I was like, ooh, girl, that's a special kind of. I hope it wasn't the new Starbucks coffee. <laughs> Starbucks is opened up, by the way. And everybody, y'all love a Starbucks. Mm, y'all going up in Starbucks like it's the newest fashion. Uh, so anyway, listen. So then, um, I turn around and I see a few wasp bears sitting there chuckling at the situation. So, um, Ruth Anna was there and Ruth Anna was like, Jesus. <laughs> and I said, Ruth boy, you see the BS I gotta be putting out there." she's like, boy, Sandy, only you. And, um, she was there with her cousin, uh, who owns a gym. And I said, Ruth by the way, you look amazing. Now, listen, I don't know if you guys have seen Ruth Anna recently. You may not have. But Ruth Anna looks the best she's ever looked. I mean, she has some guns on her. I mean, like, ooh, like, you know, nice little muscles. And, you know, she looks fit. I'm like, Anna, what have you been doing? So she's telling me about this gym. She's been going to her cousin's gym. And she's been working out and really pushing herself. She looks amazing. So listen. Message if you know Ruth a message her. Say, Sandy mentioned you in the show this morning that you look amazing. Um, uh, yeah, so she, you know, she just didn't, she looks amazing. So, um, yeah, that was that was a moment yesterday that, uh, yeah, Tracy, you can't make this stuff up. And sometimes I feel like I'm in a little bit of an alternative universe. And so I just have to like, chuckle and be like what the hell seriously (sighs) anyway it is what it is um you know i don't know what i don't know what else to say Hmm? what a hot mess poor her Mm -mm -mm -mm. she was having a moment over her brother and i was like your brother who's your brother my brother my brother you know who i am and i think in your head I'm sure you think I know who you are, but I'm like, I don't, I don't have a clue. Now that you guys have showed me who she is, it does ring a bell, but honestly, um, I, I, I still don't know who, I don't, I don't know this girl. She's crazy. So, um, yeah. Anywho, child, uh, court, court really. um, You get to see a lot of very interesting people that show up to court, and um, you know, quite frankly, I, I, I don't even know. Some days I am literally, um, I'm literally like, what the heck, really and truly. so anyway big shout out to Betty and the crazy you know sometimes people say "Ooh, I want what that person is on um, I don't want what she was on I, I definitely don't want anything that she was on because it just wasn't normal was not normal behavior then B's laugh at her yeah boy they were like geez on peace and, and I know what they were thinking. They were like, yeah, they want to talk about West Bears a certain way. Y'all look at them fools from Barton Town. That would that would found is like probably sitting there thinking, boy, mm-hmm. these people are special. Um. M- m- most defendants know it's probably best not to even have any dialogue with any member of the media, but definitely not me. I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't care who you are. Oh, and so let me say this, right? So yesterday, you know, we went through a portion of the auditor general's report and we're going to continue our discussion here this morning. And so um, at the end of the show, somebody's is like, um, oh, this person talking about you and this not, I'm like, what, what, what are y'all talking about? So they forwarded me um, a message saying that um, someone was saying that I have not spoken about um, Ali Fa'amor, um, because I'm, I'm friends with Ali. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous, actually, because we're not friends. Um, we know each other uh, through his wife. And I know Andrea. And, uh, you know, Andrea and I, we don't hang out. It's not like I'd be like, oh, BFF, Andrea, you know, let's go and have a coffee or let's go. You know, we've known each other for quite some time. Um, my gosh, it's been a while. Before she had her, her kids, actually. I've known Andrea, so if that puts things in context. But, you know, she's the type of friend that I've got on WhatsApp. I can message her, hey, Andrea, how you doing? Um, To say that I've even had a conversation with Andrea probably the last six months would probably not even be accurate. But here's the overtone of when people say stuff like that. And I've said this before, and I guess I have to go on record again and say it again. No one is safe from CMR. How many different ways can I say this, right? Uh, somebody tell me how to say it in Spanish, in Tagalog, in Chinese. Because uh, when I say no one is safe, what I mean is if you're in the news, and that means whether you show up to court, you commit an offense, you, you know, in, in an auditor general's report, whatever the situation is, um, no one is immune from being discussed. You're not omitted because I know you. Or I like you. You're not included in news because I don't like you, Betty. Right? Nobody knows who you are. Like most of the people that I report on, and definitely Renee and everybody else, they have no clue who you are. Don't 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 get it twisted in your head. And whether you're family, friend, foe, it doesn't really matter when it comes to reporting the news. I have an obligation. To really be as um, impartial as I can be, and I do—I really do try to, to you know, report on everybody. Doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, politician, not a politician, white, black, boy, girl. It really doesn't matter to me. None of those things are factored in. Caymanian, non-Caymanian. And someone, when I said this to someone, I had a little chuckle with, um, I was actually talking to Cindy about it because Cindy laughed and she's like, girl, please. I tell people all the time, if Sandy can report on her own sister, who do you think she's not going to report on? If she can report on her nieces and nephews, nobody should feel like, oh, well, this person is getting a pass because they know Sandy. Nobody gets a pass. But I also want to make it very clear because I think that we are getting very misguided in reference to this auditor general report, and so yesterday after the show my phone was blowing up. First of all, a lot of you really loved um, The fact that I invited Wendy on and thank you again to Wendy for coming on. And so Wendy um, is very, very busy. She says that, you know, in the morning, she takes that opportunity to do her writing. We all have very different styles and techniques and schedules. Um, I'm sure Wendy is not the type of person that's going to be up to one o'clock in the morning. She is trying to get some sleep. And, um, so she gets up in the morning and, you know, she probably gets her little coffee or tea. She's British. so She probably does tea. And, uh, you know, she gets started in the morning. So whilst we're doing these, um, <laughs> someone just sent me a private message. Y'all need to stop while she's doing these, um, you know, while we're doing the show in the morning, Wendy's writing. For the day and everybody has a different pattern a different style so she can't come on as much in the morning as you know we would like even to invite her on so um someone wrote in yesterday and said that um, get ledger back again you both were informative and real and raw and scare the s out of um and then they named two individuals who we will not name and they said hashtag facts so uh let me be very clear here though this auditor general's report is an indictment on the entire system the system has failed us right and the system in this case the breach of the law the constitution and otherwise is being driven by the politicians the party in power the individuals who were the recipients of the jobs in the overseas offices. So we mentioned some names yesterday. Uh, we had Julie Campbell, we had Melinda Montemayor, we had Chris Dugan, Debbie Bodden. Who was the other one? There's another one. Um, oh, I've forgotten the other name now. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it. I don't, I don't know who most of these people are. And it doesn't matter who they are but I want to make it very clear. So they have gone through a recruitment process and, and I've spoken to one or two of them. Uh, Debbie McTaggart, no, hold on. Oh shoot, Debbie Bodden, Um who, who else? Uh, um, anyway, there's one more person that I seem to be forgetting. I'll, I'll remember in a second. But let me be very clear here, right? So these individuals have said, they have gone through, and by all accounts, this seems to be completely correct. They have gone through a recruitment process so that positions were advertised. I mean, I never saw them, but just because I don't see something doesn't mean that it was happening. Oh, Gene DaCosta, right? So those are the, the five reps. So just because I um, didn't see something advertised doesn't mean it wasn't advertised. I mean, I don't, I don't even know where they advertise these things, to be honest, because I certainly don't read the compass, and the compass, I guess, still has a job section. And government still advertises in that job section, despite the fact that that nobody even buys the compass anymore. So I don't know who reads it, but you know, I guess the word gets round that government is looking for these people It's probably online on the gov portal. By the way, government has, has, um, launched a new job portal. We're going to check that out probably maybe tomorrow or into next week for applying for government jobs. So anyway, these people have gone through the recruitment process. So a few of them called me yesterday and said, Sandy, you know, I don't want you to think that um this was a political appointment or anything like that and i said no and i said in fact i'm pretty sure that i said the opposite yesterday if people are really paying attention and i know when you hear your name and you know that this is a controversial issue um you're probably getting a little bit in your feelings about the situation and you're taking it personal when you shouldn't take it personal and this is why when someone suggested yesterday that oh chris dugan should be he's at fault for selling his house and uprooting. And I said, no, 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 no. Hold on a second now. That's actually not how this works. If someone offers you a job and you sign a contract, you are relying on the faith of that contract because it is a legal document, right? To say that my start date is X, Y, Z. They're promising me this salary. These are the terms and conditions of my employment. That's why contracts exist so that you have something on which you can rely upon. And I can't fault those people for making certain moves. Someone said that he may have even moved his family overseas already. If you've lived in Cayman for a minute and all of a sudden you're gonna be assigned overseas, it would not be without reason that you could start six months in advance of a new job appointment getting your life together. Most people can't pack up a household and kids, and get stuff sold in a month. They need more time than that. So I'm not placing the blame on any of these individual candidates who were the recipients of the jobs, right? So one person said, um, it was not a political appointee. I was working in you know private sector. The position was advertised. They applied for it. They went through a panel interview of five people. They had to submit this, that, and the next thing. I'm a little bit familiar with the recruitment process from government, especially for a certain higher level positions, Shall they make you do, they make you write a, a whole book thinking that somehow something on paper academic will make a difference. That's not the discourse here, folks. Congratulations to those individuals. I also said yesterday that the issue really is when politicians try to circumvent the processes and get involved in things that they should not get involved in. That's where the issue lies with the political arm of government, not the civil servants. And I made it abundantly clear that politicians are never per section, what is the 55 one of the constitution, politicians are never supposed to get involved in the hiring, the firing, none of that of civil servants promotions and when they do, that is when you have potential issues happening. So what happened here is that in fact, the politicians left that bit up to the civil service. So, you know, that is France Manderson's job. Does the governor physically sign off on every government contract? I doubt that because he's delegated it um, to France Manderson. Eric Bush. Was he responsible for part of the recruitment process? Those are the higher ranking civil servants who would have been assisting with the setup of, uh, I think Eric Bush is the chief officer, correct me if I'm wrong, for the particular ministry that this fell under, this eighth ministry, right? Now, I took on board Wendy's comments yesterday in a real way about how... um, see, oops, about how, you know, in her opinion, this was one of those situations where somebody and not just somebody, Alden McLaughlin, this is her opinion, she's entitled to it, and all the evidence points to that direction, that he was really trying to position himself into a job. Okay. And that's, uh, you know, w- we heard rumblings from early on, if you'd been paying attention, that this ministry was actually created in order to um, I'm gonna just pull the report back over here that this ministry was created in order to, you know, I think Austin Harris initially was um, promised a position with in the ministry. He was promised that he would get that ministry. Clearly, that never happened. I'll tell you why it never happened apparently Austin was a little bit on the outs even before he was voted out with the progressives because and I'm surprised that he ended up being on their platform. But anyway, because they had asked him to join the party and he said, no, he wanted to remain an independent. Like he didn't want to join the progressives. Well, you know, the progressives don't take too lightly to dissent. So when Alden says, join, uh, we'd like you to join the party. That's less of a question and more of a, um, more of a a dictator's uh, request, which, you know, when you get a request from a dictator, it's like you do or die kind of situation. So my understanding is he kind of fell out of favor with the progressives. And that is why even during the election, there was this rumor that who they were really supporting was Sabrina Turner and not Austin Harris, despite Austin being up on the platform and that sort of thing. That's where all these rumors, you kind of see how stuff gets tied together, right? But anyway, Wendy said, you know, he was trying to have job security and you heard him say it on more than one occasion, like, okay, I'm not going to be premier anymore. Cause God knows if the law permitted him to be premier, he'd be premier infinitum. Like he would never stop being premier, but the law only allows you to serve, serve two terms of premier. So his eye was on a ministry and this was the ministry that he wanted financial services. He could travel. He gets to go to Dubai. He'd go to the foreign offices Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. So let's not focus on the poor civil servants who got caught up in this mess. Now, when I look at them, do I think that they were all qualified for the job? Well, they went through a recruitment process, but my opinion is no. Some of them have no qualifications to work in a foreign office, in my opinion. But I also am not privy to their application, how they did in the interview. I'm just looking at okay, this person has been a um, HR manager in central government for a number of years. What makes her qualified to run a foreign office? No diplomacy training, no experience living abroad, not necessarily that you would necessarily need that. Um, no financial services experience. No. I mean, there's a whole list of things that you could really look at to go, "Hmm, why would this have been the successful candidate? We also don't know who would have been up against them. So maybe the competition wasn't all that great, you know? But I don't want us to get off track here. Um, Morning, Richard. And thinking that um, this is the sort of thing that, you know, is somehow their fault. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, like I told you already, some of them when this new government came in, saw the writing on the wall that the government was not going to be setting up these foreign offices. And so they were already seeking legal advice to see what they could do about this. Could they sue the government? Now this is a bit of a quandary, right? Because the previous administration, right? Breached the law. That's what this auditor general's report has said. This is the one takeaway from this. They breached the law and by extension, they breached the constitution. Now this current government, because of their decisions, and this is right. This is where politics is important. Y'all like, I I don't care about politics. You should care because it impacts all of our lives. So because of their misuse of the laws, right. Of the FM, what does it call FMPA, FMLA, all these terms, right. Because they have breached these various provisions of those two acts, the PMFA, um, they now have put this government at risk, risk for lawsuits, risk for spending money that we don't really have to spend on foreign offices that we don't really need. (laughs) I'm just saying. At a time like this during COVID. So let us go back, if we will, to this document, and I'm going to enlarge it because I'm aware it's not easy to see. All right, so let's uh, talk about the findings, right? So objective one, I think this is kind of where we left off a little bit. Did breaches to the PSMA and by extension section 51 515 d of the Cayman Islands Constitution occur? She says, not mincing her words, yes. Then she goes on to explain, she being the Auditor General, she goes on to explain why that is. What section 51D of the Constitution says. Okay? So the governor has the ultimate legal responsibility. which he delegates to the head of the civil service, this is accepted, and the chief officers to hire, fire, promote, and so on. My question is, it's a a redundant question because I know the answer already. When civil servants screw up, whether it's high ranking civil servants or even politicians, they, you know, do stuff ultra vires they do stuff in breach of the constitution they breach laws who is ultimately going to pay the price and who's responsible well unfortunately for us we the people always end up paying the price how well lawsuits come out of the public purse and you know alden them have had a number of lawsuits during his tenure and they never tell the people well, how much did we have to pay to settle that? Or what was, you know, you you lost the lawsuit. What was the amount that we had to pay out? They don't tell you that. They hide the details of this, claiming that, oh, that does not fall under FOI. Why not? Why can't we see and comprehend and understand how bad your mess-ups really are? What is it costing us in dollars and cents? But dollars and cents isn't everything. It's also reputational damage, right? It's time trying to go back and rewrite the laws, rewrite processes, because now we recognize that smart little Al-Din, he's a bookworm, y'all say is circumventing the law or he's completely breaching the law. How do we now patch this so it doesn't happen again? So drafters have to get together. Oh, what what processes do we have to put in place? What legislation do we have to fix? Now, mind you, in this case, folks, the legislation is, is pretty clear as day. I don't think that anybody other than loopy loop Carlos Lopez from yesterday, Lobo, he was the only one who could argue that This um, legislation isn't crystal clear about who is responsible for what. So the breaches are there. And those breaches, when they occur, means that somebody has got to pay. And who is somebody? Ultimately, the people of the Cayman Islands, you and I. Isn't it sad? We didn't do anything wrong. This ain't got nothing to do with me. and ain't got nothing to do with you. But we pay the price. You all want to talk about trickle-down economics. How about trickle-down when you screw up in government? The people pay the price. And what I take issue with is the people who are actually messing up, who are doing this, they are not the ones paying the price. And to me, that's not fair. How can that be right? how can I go out there and break the law and somebody else is going to pick up the bag. Somebody else is going to pick up the tab. And I walk away oftentimes not just scot-free, but if you're a civil servant, you're going to get a promotion out of it. Or they're going to move you somewhere else. Oh, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we know you screwed up. We'll give you, uh, we're not going to fire you because apparently those types of things don't happen. You're not really held accountable for what you do wrong. So what we're gonna do instead is we'll give you, you, you be in charge of the office of the Queen's Jubilee. Y'all think I'm, I'm joking here? This has happened on more than one occasion. People screw up. They lie, they do stuff in government and they get promoted. They get moved from a government agency into central government. They get sent overseas, they get promotions, they get... I'm like, how? how? What kind of standards? We're supposed to have a world-class civil service, but I'm confused by how that works. It seems like, in all honesty, it's one of the hardest things in the world to actually fire and get rid of civil servants. What kind of ironclad contracts do they have that protect them no matter what they do? It's crazy. She says here... I have concluded that breaches did occur. There was no, and at least insufficient, existing budget provisions at the time staff contracts of both projects were entered into. Wow. She goes into the overseas offices, which we spent quite a bit of time discussing yesterday. I want to talk about the expo. This section here, starting with number 16. The Dubai World Expo. $2.5 million. So they had $300,000 in ministry of existing budget that it planned to put towards this. And a further $2.2 million funding needed to be approved by cabinet and then parliament. Mm Mm-hmm. It says of the $2.2 million, 1.6 was to be funded through the PMFA section 12, 1, and 2. And the remaining $600,000 was to be sought through a supplement to the 2022 budget. However, neither of these sums were agreed by the parliament. The ministry appointed the commissioner, which now this is Mr. Ali, for the World Expo in February of 2021. Hmm, right? And on the 3rd of March, it also committed to the sponsoring partnership with the UK DIT for the Dubai World Expo. Both of these were done without the necessary finance approval for the expenditure. Now, in Cayman, we have a saying about putting the, the cart before the horse and man, oh man, oh man. Have we done that? Not we, Alden, and this ministry, that was his responsibility. Have they done that? Whoa, did they ever. Let's be very clear here. That's all they were doing is putting the cart before the horse. They were signing contracts. Let's just back up and go back to the timeline here, right? Where's the timeline again? So I can refresh your memory. Uh, where's the timeline? There we go. So they were signing contracts and signing contractual agreements for a UK office or uh, Dubai um, contract, a US office, all these letters of engagement, folks before they even had the country's approval. Who does that? That's crazy. Yes, this person was knighted. Yes, this person is a QC now. And yes, they continue to make $8,000 a month on the backs of the people or whatever the salary is. It might be exactly that, but you know what I mean how how does this work i am woefully confused about how this happens huh help me understand how do you sign a contract for someone's employment to be able to work in a foreign office, take up a position there. You start to spend money on that foreign office. And the United States of America has not even given you approval yet. Now we pointed out yesterday that these letters of entrustment, letters of engagement were happening with a frenzy. Look at it. First of all, this is so peculiar, right? Job adverts for overseas representatives went up February the 1st. And apparently they were already issuing the contracts by April. Now, y'all know something with government. Government normally takes six months to make any kind of decision in an employment situation. Even this seems a little bit expedited for them. Hmm? Look at the frenzy. Oh, we got to get the Brussels office, the 15th. The new government is warning. Oh, no, we got to still cut. It was like, why were you continuing to do stuff? So, the US government approval for the opening of the Washington, D.C. office happened on October the 7th. But from June the 2nd, they did the letter of entrustment June, July, August, September, October. Four months later, that is putting the cart before the horse. And you see now, this is where. Someone in the civil service needs to be held responsible. It's this part of it now that I take issue with when it comes to the civil servants. So I can't blame civil servants for taking up a job that they were offered and, you know, getting ready for that position. But I can blame whoever would have been signing these documents and signing off on this sort of stuff on behalf of the ministry. Let me give you another example of how civil servants get away with murder. Murder. Remember the Canova Watson situation? Y'all need to go back and read the details of that court case, huh? Because I suspect, as with most things, you forget. Well, poor Canova, he was making some very poor decisions. Smart guy, but really stupid criminal. And, uh, you know, him and Jeff Webb decided they were going to come up with this pay care plan to steal some money. From the people that came to the islands, and boy, they were planning. Remember what the court document said? It came out in testimony that Canova was sitting there doodling on paper and writing down, writing down on the computer how he intended to spend his millions that he was going to be stealing from the people that came to the islands. New pool for the Atlanta house. New Bose surround system on the deck for the Atlanta house. That's what he was doing. Like he legit was sitting down writing out where he was going to spend all this money. The saddest thing is Canova never needed it. Canova was making good money in his real job. When this came out, I thought to myself, hold on a second. How many people reviewed the contract? Reviewed the, um, payments before they were made. High ranking officials. Lizette said she saw the contract because she's CEO of the HSA. People in the ministry, Jennifer Ahern saw the contract. All these high ranking civil servants, the minister at the time of health was, uh, I believe it was Mark Scotland. All of these individuals saw the contract and were privy to it and didn't ask any questions. People have always felt like the care pay system didn't catch everybody in terms of who was criminally held responsible. That some of these civil servants were either extremely negligent in their duty or they knew and turned a blind eye to what they knew. Not a single one of them, to the best of my knowledge, was ever reprimanded. Nothing happened. So here we are again with another situation. And we're talking about, okay, we need to um, see how this doesn't happen again. My question is, how many times is misuse of the law going to occur? Malfeasance, all these things. And we're going to keep saying, oh, we need to see how this doesn't happen again. We need to fix it. At what do we say? This means somebody at the very minimum needs to be fired. Or maybe at the maximum, somebody needs to be hauled into court. I'm just saying. Anybody else wondering this? El Ray says, yep, Sandy, it's f and most upsetting. People aren't being held accountable. Rena says, and they knighted him. Marshall says it's not fair at all. This crap needs to change. These civil servants that mess up need to pay and go. But you know what? We end up paying them. This is the irony of the situation. Jonathan wants to know whose hand he needs to hold to get on this list. Morning, Larry. Good morning, Perla. So it it defies logic how this can continually happen, right? And nobody is going to be held accountable. I don't expect a single soul to get fired. I don't even expect anybody to get written up. I don't know what this investigation is because we're never told what the outcome of the investigation is, what the changes will be. There's such a lack of continual transparency, it is shocking. Here she says that I can therefore consider this action to be non-compliant with the PMFA and independent legal counsel supports this view. Mm -hmm. She delves further into the budget. She says that $4.5 million was set up for this ministry for the financial year 2021. The total annual cost of these two projects was estimated to be more than 1.8 million, which required additional budgetary approval as described earlier. This sum is equivalent to a 41% increase in the total budgeted expenses for the ministry for 2021 financial year. Now, here's the thing. Politicians get in office. Let, let's, let's, um, we're not going to really give Alvin the benefit of the doubt, but let me explain something. So politicians get in office and we assume that they know what they're doing let's let's remove that assumption from the equation for a second because it simply isn't true politicians have to learn the rule so if you're a seasoned politician and you've been there for 20 years well by then yes you should know what you're doing a fresh termer there's a lot of things that you do not know and you have to rely on the guidance of the civil servants the chief officers in particular and senior civil servants to say okay um sir this is the process. This is how this works. In Alden's case, that would be no excuse here. He was a seasoned politician. At least he's been in there for 20 years now. He is a retired partner and lawyer. So, if anybody can read the Constitution, to understand its provisions and provisions of the law, it should be him. He was instrumental. And the revision of the Constitution. So I'm pretty sure he has read multiple, the Constitution on multiple occasions. But if he's trying to do something and instruct his chief officer, say he's trying to instruct Eric Bush, okay, just um, here's the money, yeah, increase, let's hire these people. Is it not Eric Bush's responsibility or anybody in that position as chief officer to say, hold on a second here. I'm not comfortable doing this because as a civil servant of 25 years, 30 years, however long you've been there, I know that this isn't the correct procedure for the funds. So you're asking me to hire these people, set up the office, get letters of engagement, all this kind of stuff. But with all due respect, Premier, this hasn't followed the procedure of the PMFA or PMFL or whatever the heck it is, right? Maybe you forgot that you're supposed to do this, this, and this. Did that happen? Right? The civil servants often tell the politicians that they are the real experts. Cause they've been there long enough; they know how it goes. You can't do that. And I see it all the time where politicians will rely on the civil servants for information. The minister will turn to someone and say, "Hmm, uh, what? What? How does this go again? What's the information?" When they show up to the LA and they're talking about budget and they're arguing this, that, and the next thing, the ministers don't stand there as a know-it-all. Well, my chief officer has informed me that this is the situation. I was able to pull this report from the ministry. My finance manager said X, Y, Z. The HR manager said X, Y, Z. Remember when there was this whole fiasco at, um, with hiring practices and questions at the HSA? The minister's like, let me bring in the CEO. The HR manager, they need to explain these things. Now, the minister might have some ultimate responsibility because, you know, they're really involved in the drafting of policy. And they can guide the civil servants. Like, why are you hiring all these foreign nationals when you have qualified Caymanians who could take up the job? So it's a bit of a symbiotic relationship in the sense that the civil servants can oftentimes provide the details and guide the ministers and the political arm of government. But they should not be, the tail shouldn't be wagging the dog, right? So they shouldn't be following instructions blindly, especially when they know that those instructions are in contravention of the law. So look at, look at the breakdown of the money, of how it, how it was going to work. Annual salary. Well, I don't know why Hong Kong and North America was getting paid less money. But anyway, that's how they had it set up. Uh, Brussels, Hong Kong, and North America was going to be paid $135,000. We're just going to round it up. As an annual salary. Um, oh, the deputies, my apologies. So, the deputies for North American Hong Kong were making $100,000. So, as we mentioned yesterday, you had oh, Alexa, let me turn down Alexa here. You had not just one person getting a job out of these foreign offices, but two people. You had a deputy overseas rep, and then the manager was going to be making a little bit more than that. Not a whole lot, to be honest. So $234,000, round up two hundred thirty-five per office for North America, Hong Kong. And it looks like Brussels was only going to have one person. Remember now we already have someone in London, right? We have a London overseas office where this person is already. I mean, someone is in that office. That's Ms. Tasha Garcia, right? Um, The former minister of financial services, as you guys will know, was previously in that position. So these people were making all this kind of money, plus a housing allowance. Because when you send people overseas, we foot the bill for housing. North America, 60 grand. I can get you a decent place. Hong Kong, one of the most expensive places in the world to live. We're going to give them almost another $100,000 in housing allowance. North America. Uh, The deputies also are going to get a housing allowance as well. See the pension contributions, yes. Motor car upkeep, so you get allowance for your vehicle. Children's school fees. Uh, Why is the rep in Brussels getting school fees covered? $45,000 per annum and nobody else is getting school fees. What's going on in Brussels that you gotta pay the school fees? Any idea, does anybody know? Looks like everybody else was responsible for that expense, but not the Brussels office. Now, look at this. You create employment contracts, folks. I want to increase this just a little bit to make sure y'all don't miss it. You create employment contracts with people for five years. Boy, I tell you. Huh the progressives are really counting on being reelected 5 years and then you have two that are indefinite for brussels and the um deputy for north america what what do you mean indefinite what does that mean any any lawyers here can help me out indefinite employment contract The ugly truth, says Jennifer Earhorn, was a chief officer. She didn't review that contract or did a good job at it, but went through Ozzy's phone bill in great detail. Maybe by that point, she had learned a lesson. I mean, I don't know. So someone sends in the following comment, which helps. It says because they were already civil servants with an open-ended, indefinite contract, but is this not a new contract? Right? Help me out here. But this isn't a continuation of existing contract. This is a completely new contract of employment. Why would you make that indefinite? Well, here's how it works, folks. In the real world of being a civil servant, even if you go there for a year and you say, I don't want to stay here again. I want to come back. Uh, you get placed right back in government. It's, it's called a guarantee of employment for life. That's the civil service model. No one can ever get rid of you. Natasha says they, they were sure they were getting, getting in to the point that they thought um, they were losing. They started rounding people up. When they lost, they had to be forced to relinquish their seat. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They are definitely or they were definitely counting on getting in. There's a lot at risk here and not just this folks. Let me assure you. (laughs) If we could have this type of detailed report. On the um, side contracts, right? The development projects, the kickbacks, the this, the that, the consultancy projects, who was being paid consultancy fees and all this sort of stuff. If we could see a report like this about those things, wow, our socks would be knocked right off. So in fact, the total estimated cost for the overseas office and the expo, $6.4 million. The report goes on to say at point 27 that the effect of the breach was not only financial. Upon assuming office, the new government made changes to the organizational structure of the ministry. So they renamed it and whatever. And as part of this change, which reflected a change in government policy, responsibility for overseas offices, including the representative post, moved to the Ministry of Financial Services and Commerce. This was because the new government felt that the synergies were with mfsc and their policy focus on financial services sector rather than the policy objectives of this other ministry it's very very interesting so when finance committee met on july 2021 it decided to appropriate the two million dollars initially requested for the overseas office to fund micro and small business grants instead of the overseas offices. Now, let me try to remember here, y'all help me out. Would this not have been the same time, July, that you guys were hyper-focused on the fact that this government, the PAC government, was quote unquote, giving themselves a pay raise, which was already done in effect from January, by the previous government. And when I was making this point, of, but wait a minute, they also stopped $2 million from going into foreign offices at a time when we don't need to be focused on that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Businesses are failing. People are losing their jobs. Supporting the local economy as much as we can, while financial services is kind of holding its own, should be our focus. So this government said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's reallocate $2 million. Instead of sending it for these nice cushy jobs for people to sit overseas and God do God knows what, let us instead take the money and fund micro and small business grants instead. Wow. And you know how many local companies have benefited from these grants and have been able to keep afloat as a result of those grants during the pandemic. Every company came in. As long as you filled out the paperwork, you were came in and you met the criteria. Automatically, you could get three thousand dollars. Then they had another scheme that was a bit more involved. You had to sit down with an accountant and go through the numbers and provide them with you know how the money was going to be spent. This that next thing. But you were eligible for ten thousand dollars or more. Injecting money into the economy for small and for micro and small businesses by way of grants, right? When we needed it the most. Objective number four. Have the activities conducted during the election period resulted in the establishment of binding commitments to the new government? In response to the first question, the answer is yes. On the face of it, and based on our findings for objective two, the Expo contractual commitment and the various new employee, employee contracts entered into appear to be binding on the new government, folks. I want that to sink in for a second. I'm gonna take a quick break. Give me just a few seconds here. very very clear about this point because this is important and this is why the government can't just now say well we're not going to honor these contracts we're not going to give these people any jobs at all it's why Chris Dugan has left the police service it was announced last week and he is on his way to the United States of America to Washington D.C. office because the government people are on the hook for this contract, for these contracts. They are responsible. Even though there was a breach of the law, the individuals involved acted in good faith. They're not to blame for the fact that others, right? Decided to breach the law. Now, isn't that something? Government's going to have to pay. According to this, let's read it carefully. She says it appears to be binding on the new government. And quite frankly, that conclusion did not surprise me at all. However, she goes on to say a detailed legal review of all relevant contracts will be necessary to confirm this and has not been undertaken as part of this work. So now they need to lawyer up, pay lawyers. Review the contracts, and you know the lawyers are gonna be looking for any little loophole. Was it subject to anything? I mean, you would think that all contracts would have a legality cause where it's subject to it being legal in the first place, but not necessarily. So if they, if they did it the wrong way, if they screwed up procedurally, the law will normally say, well, why should the recipient of this? Then have to pay the price for that. So the law may not, again, this is where lawyers will have to sit down and figure it out. The law may not let government off the hook, even if there is a breach of some clause or, you know, some legality element. The people still got to be paying this money. We, the people. She goes on at point 29 to say that on February the 10th, the previous government change the date of the general election, bring it forward to April the 14th. We all remember that John. Let's read number 30 very, very carefully. Global best practice during pre-election periods limits civil servants from implementing new policies or making novel or con- contentious expenditures. However, the Cayman Islands does not have formal pre-election rules that align with this good practice. So, I said it during the election as it related to the signing of other contracts that happened at the time. Cause you could see there was this rush, this mad rush to push stuff through all of a sudden. Oh, let's just get it done. Global best practice. don't know nothing about global best practice, but he can be knighted. He don't know nothing about global best practice, but he's running this ministry and appointing people overseas. He don't know nothing about global best practices, but he can get a QC? He don't know nothing about global best practices, but he goes overseas to represent the Cayman Islands and the people of the Cayman Islands on the world stage? How is this possible? Oh, he might know what they are. (coughs) Sorry. But because they are not codified, in other words, not written down anywhere, not in law. Yes, it's global best practice, but you know what? We're going to ignore the global best practices because who is paying attention? Oh, the people are all up in a frenzy about McKeever and what he was up to. We're going to throw him under the bus. We're going to call it a new election. Everybody's in an election frenzy. Well, while people are focused on the election, let us push through a couple little things and do this, that, and the next thing. She goes on to say that the creation of these offices is definitely new policy or novel or contentious expenditure. She says the fact that the government has amended the plans around these matters also supports this view. And then she talks about The contracts for the overseas offices and the World Expo are not isolated examples. And you know, during the election, I said, why is the government signing this integrated solid waste management system now? They sat on it for years. So what's the mad rush to do it right now? Remember March of 26th? Less than three weeks before an the election, they're trying to bind the next government. She said at least in that case, there's a fallback date after the election for finalizing the terms of the contract. They weren't even finalizing the terms of the contract. This this is again, there's a reason for this mad rush to put all this stuff in place. She goes on to say what I was just saying, despite there being no formal guidance, there's an expectation that the responsible minister should be briefed upon taking office as soon as possible. And some of the employment contracts were not signed until after the election. So civil servants now, this comes back to who was allowing this to happen You got a new government. The progressives were unsuccessful. They didn't make it. But their decisions, instead of you saying, oh, um, new minister, new government, here's what's going on. Are we proceeding with these contracts? Because remember, go back to the date. The contracts were signed when? Some of them in October? Why was the new government not told October the 7th approval for the opening of the office. Why is it that between the 19th and 20th of April? So some of those are definitely up to the 20th after the election date. The civil service is still pushing through these contracts to be signed. Well, <clears throat> one could argue that they knew what they were doing in terms of committing the government. And it was like, we're going to continue at all costs. So the big question now, folks, she goes on to talk about the World Expo, the breaches of the legislation in relation to that. She, she even says that, yes, they put some business cases on paper, but really, uh, it is something that could have been stronger in content. What was the benefit that we were g- going to be getting from the offices and from participating in the expo? Value for money. We were not really getting value for money. There was not a strong argument there. So I know Jared said yesterday in his opinion, well, you know, just because we're blacklisted, that's enough. No, it's not. Because this wasn't about that. Right, the former premier, the former minister and chief officer arranged a meeting with key stakeholders in the private sector for the 1st of December, 2020 to discuss the benefits and risk of establishing the overseas office. And then it talked about some of what came out of that, including the establishment of an office in Brussels as a priority. Washington DC was the best location for the North American office. C-Man finance provided some analysis and a formal recommendation about opening the Brussels office and the North American office. Talks more in detail about co-sponsorship for the Dubai Expo. Right? Some of the details of how that came about. So this public procurement committee, this is interesting, following cabinet's approval, does not consider funding as part of its responsibility. It then goes on to say, but this ministry confirmed that existing budget provision was in place, which is a requirement of the PPC's standard request template. Now this is where it gets interesting. The recruitment to the position of the commissioner of the expo was done through a direct hire. Hmm. An approval request for the direct hire was submitted by the deputy governor, which would be Mr. France Manderson, on January the 28th and approved on February the 12th. Oh, now. What the what? A direct hire. Does that mean that there was no advertisement of this job? There was no, as the report goes on to say, evaluation by the government's internal job system. How could that be? The chief officer of the ministry, Eric Bush, signed a contract with Ali Fa'amu, who's also, and this is where I scratch my head at all parties involved, because the very appearance of this should have made them pause and say, no, 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 no. We gotta cross her T's, daughter I's because Andrea, his wife, is the deputy chief officer in the same ministry. All of these people are intelligent people. So Ali should have said, Hold on a second. This can't be. Now, to be fair to Andrea, as deputy chief officer, she obviously recused herself in the hiring process. No documentation on how the conflict in this situation was to be addressed. Because ultimately, as deputy chief officer, wouldn't her husband be answering to her at some level? Now, I don't know about y'all. But have you ever worked with a spouse before, (laughs) even in a private business? It's not normally the best of ideas. Because you can't help but talk shop when you go home from your job and you've had a long day and you've had a rough day and like, oh, these people are driving me crazy about this Dubai Expo. And then who you're talking to, your husband, who's going to be the temporary commissioner for the Dubai Expo. Eric Bush, a senior civil servant. Didn't he used to do HR at Cayman Airways? He has HR experience. He's been a chief officer for many, many years. Eric, how did you not, with all due respect, look at this situation and thought to yourself, whoa, I better do some real due diligence here um, in crossing my T's, dotting my I's, advertising the position at the wazoo, making somebody else handle the rec- I'm a little bit lost as to how this missed the mark with everybody. How did everyone think that this is not the sort of thing that would raise eyebrows? But you know what? It's not the first time that this has happened. Right? Uh, (laughs) Ah. Even now in this current government, there are people who have gotten jobs when ministers took positions that should not have gotten jobs. And so this now, this might hurt some feelings in the Patent government, but I cannot be concerned with that. What I'm going to tell you is, if you are the minister of health, no one related to you should be taking up any senior or managerial position at the HSA or in the Ministry of Health that they were not in previous to you becoming Minister of Health. And if you become Minister of Health and you got close family that works there or Minister of Finance or whatever, folks, I'm sorry, I can't take that ministry because here's a conflict. Do not do it because the very appearance of it Reeks to high heaven. I've had people reaching out to me, Sandy, how is it that this minister's daughter works in this department and now she's all of a sudden sitting on all these boards? It's messy. It looks bad. The very thing that I am now saying that the progressives got wrong, I am seeing how some members of the PAC government are also getting it wrong. It needs to be addressed. Surely as a minister, there must be other opportunities for your husband, your sister, your immediate family to go and find employment in this country that does not involve working under you. Right? Eric Bush has been a chief officer for over six years. No, sorry. Chief officer. Oh, three years. He was the Cayman Islands rep for the UK and EU for over three years. He was a chief officer before that for the Ministry of Home Affairs. And before that, he was with Pox Portfolio of Internal. Oh, no, that's not Pox. That's, um, sorry, wrong one. Portfolio of Internal and External Affairs. Pox uh, is what does Pox stand for again? Somebody help me out here with the acronyms. He has worked as a civil servant for a really, really long time. I'm not sure how this, how how they got it wrong. Right. Let's let's have a look at points forty. The jobs are advertised on the first of February job description included a clear specification of the educational and experience requirements of representative and deputy representative for the overseas office. And these were used for the adverts. However, the job descriptions were generic in relation to other aspects. For example, there was no essential, even desirable requirements for a relevant additional language for either the Brussels or the Hong Kong positions even though English is not the primary language used in those countries. Wow. This now is where the people who say that, well, I applied for the job and I was the most qualified. I went through a rigorous process. The auditor general's report is saying, how rigorous could it be when the very basis of the jobs being advertised was flimsy from the onset. This is what she's saying. The job descriptions didn't make any sense. The job descriptions asked for either financial services or civil service experience, but does, but did not state that if the applicants did not have both that experience in the other one would be desirable. So appendix one includes extracts from the job descriptions. Now I'm telling you all that there are people who would have gotten the jobs for these overseas office who have neither, well, they're civil servant, but they don't have any financial services experience. So the ministry hired an independent recruitment agency to do the initial screening and shortlisting of candidates. They were asked to sift through using the essential criteria stated on the job description. Then they provided, they assessed candidates and provided a list of those recommended for interview to senior management. Now look at this. This isn't me circling this, by the way. Oh, I think I need to scroll down a little bit. This is the document that's uploaded (laughs) on CNS. It says the ministry decided that one candidate did not meet the SIF criteria should be added to the interview schedule what one candidate was that and this person ended up being offered a position as an overseas rep ahead of a Caymanian candidate who met all of the essential criteria okay okay now i don't know who that person was but this is what we talk about when we say nepotism eh, how did this work you hire an independent recruitment agency They say, okay, here's your candidates that meet the minimum requirements. And then you pull in a candidate who didn't even meet the criteria that you yourself had set. Not only are they then shortlisted and go through the process, but they actually get the job ahead of others who actually met all the criteria. In other words, they were more qualified. Hmm. Y'all think that hasn't happened before. We've talked about it on this very program. Another candidate who did not meet the minimum educational requirements? Woo! I wonder which one that could be. Was also shortlisted for interview. I think I know which female that is. Because as far as I know, she ain't got no qualifications outside of probably an HR certificate or whatever. And let me look him up on LinkedIn Chow. Let me see. Let me see. I think they've got to say about their credentials. Hmm. Oh, they don't even have a LinkedIn account. Oh, what a hot mess. Yeah, well, I shouldn't be surprised by that either because there's probably not much to put on the LinkedIn profile. What a mess. Let me see here. I see an article here. Uh, I don't see nothing about their qualifications. I wonder what they really got. Hmm. Does make me wonder. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, uh, we can speculate about who that individual is, but Another candidate did not meet the minimum educational requirements. Also shortlisted for interview. nepotism. appearance of nepotism. They were offered a job ahead of other qualified candidates, including Kmanian. So listen. When we make aspersions about this is where the aspersions now coming about the individual candidates, would we be wrong when the auditor general herself has said the inclusion of this candidate in the shortlist for interview appears to have been an error? On the part of the recruitment agency during the initial screening. However, it is evidence of the candidate's resume, oh, sorry, my slide is, and the interview panel report that the candidate did not have the required educational qualification specified in the job description. So who was on the interview panel? Right? You hire an independent um, agency, they get it wrong, And then you don't even notice the mistake, a panel of five people? Huh? Give me one second, please.
3: Gotta find a way. Out. So many questions answered with an answer to Ah,
2: Too- oh, that song got it right. So many questions unanswered. Big shout out to Reliable Industries for these um, alcohol-free hand sanitizing wipes. They say it kills 99.9% of germs. I was just blowing my nose, and so I had to use a couple of these. Um, They smell pretty good, too. Um, Yes. It's called BioCleanse. Go check it out. Tell them you saw it on CMR and you'd like to get you some of these to keep at your desk. All right, folks, so let's go back to um, the report here. Uh, So the ministry decided that one candidate that did not meet the the criteria. Oh, yes, we moved on. We're at the next point. Another candidate did not meet the minimum educational requirement. That seems to have been an error, it says, but nobody corrects the error. Mm -hmm. And they actually get the job. So with all due respect, at least two people, right, are not qualified out of the five. And there are other questions because some of them don't speak any of uh, the required languages, the primary languages in that country and all this other, other kind of stuff. You know, it does seem to me that these, um, while they went through a recruitment process, that there was some some level of dysfunctionality. right contracts were signed between April the 9th and 20th mm-hmm they refer to exhibit four so there we go do we know who was going where
4: Mm-mm-mm.
2: So look at the signing of the the dates of the contract. And let's remember the date of the general election. Hmm. Point number 43, further to undertaking our analysis, we asked the internal audit service to undertake their routine suite of HR audit checks that they do every six months for senior government appointments to verify your conclusions. Their report confirmed all of her earlier findings and highlighted other issues of serious concern, including the job adverts for the overseas reps and deputy reps were placed before the job evaluation results were received. Put in the the cart before the horse once again. The deputy rep roles were advertised at grade G, but the job evaluation came back at grade H, one grade lower than advertised. Those hired were also appointed at grade G and not even at any of the spinal points that overlapped with which, sorry, with grade H, but higher up. Wow. No conflict of interest declarations were made by the recruitment panel. I wonder who was on the recruitment panel. I'm curious to know. This is just so crazy. No due diligence checks and qualifications. What? Are requirements for medical or police clearances were made for any of the positions recruited, Lord Jehovah say what? So we're sending people overseas to represent us. We don't even ask for medical. These are standard things normally in a civil service job. Not yet. I know poor Cindy probably watching, going, "What the what?" But they were waiting on my medical. No due diligence checks and qualifications, uh, folks. Caymanians have lied about having certain qualifications before that they never had. This is like HR 101. Somebody says, "I have a master's degree from Nova Southeastern University." They say, "Oh yeah, Sandy. Let us check and verify that." I say, oh, I have a diploma in um, social media marketing or digital marketing. Just because I say it don't mean it's true. So y'all need to check and verify these things. Sandy claims she got a law degree. Well, let's make sure that that's not a forged law degree. Let's call and find out. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. So she goes on to talk about the World Expo. And again, this connection, unfortunately. Um, this apparent, appeared conflict of interest. But the deputy chief officer, that'd be Andrea Fiamore, and one person hired as the commissioner of the De- De- Dubai Expo, sorry, are married. It appears that considerable efforts are made to handle this aspect appropriately. That's good. Within the ministry, with the DCO recusing herself in the hiring process. However... There is no evidence, record or documentation, as to how this conflict was addressed, and this same point was confirmed by the internal review audit. You see, sometimes it is very, very difficult, folks. Even with the best of intentions, and I know Andrea, she is a person who likes to operate by the book when it comes to her job. And so does Ali, but... This situation would probably make it near impossible. Even though she's recused herself in the hiring process. How this conflict was addressed, it says there's no documentation to that. No job evaluations through the government job evaluation system. for the Dubai expo, nothing. So they could be overpaying them or underpaying them and they wouldn't even know. <laughs> oh, yay, yay. Folks, this report is very, very damning. And ultimately the ministry, the chief officer of that ministry is Mr. Eric Bush. What's going to happen? So now, government is going to be on the hook for three five-year contracts, two open-ended contracts for the existing civil servants. Commission of the Dubai office—that one was for 15 months. Failure by the government to fulfill the terms of their of these employment agreements should have legal ramic could have legal ramifications. Similarly, a contract has been signed with the UK DIT for participation in the Dubai Expo. And that appears to have created an obligation on the government of the Cayman Islands. Wow. So what are we going to do? She goes on to say, as she starts to conclude now, that the purpose of the civil service is to remain politically neutral but serve the government of the day. International best standards would seek to avoid the introduction of new policies, signing of major procurement contracts, and any novel and contentious spending, including staff appointments during the period between the day an election is called and the day of the election itself. That clearly didn't happen. So the incoming government is now on the ledge for some $6 million in potential cost. Well, that's her report, folks. I hope that a closer examination of the report has been useful to you all. Let me read some of your comments. Mary says, "Uh, we've been told that the leak will be investigated. Will we also be told who signed all these letters of engagements? Well, the ministry chief officer. Now, I want to talk about this whole thing about the leak. The leak didn't happen to CMR. Thank God. Actually, this is one time I'm like glad we didn't get the leak because the natural um, dispersions that would have been made—I don't—I don't think that's the right word. I'm really looking for, but you know what I mean. Would be that oh, the Pat government gave this to CMR because they're they're BFFs. Thank God they gave it to Wendy Chell. But this idea that when a leak happens, that has to be the focus of the investigation. Oh, we need to find the leak. Uh, You know what you need to focus on? Fixing the issues that are in this report, holding the the chief officers, the previous premier, and those people accountable. That's $6 million. Try and make Alden pay that. Seriously. Whistleblower legislation in this country is very interesting because it sort of exists, but it exists in the realm that oh, you do it this way. So you go through your ministry and you complain to government. You go to to certain. This is how you have to do it. So there is not this wider um, understanding of of the protection of whistleblowers. Now, this was to me in my mind, this is not even a whistleblower situation because this um, report was a signed report, and my only question is, what what is the big issue about it being a leak? What was gonna to happen to this report? Was this report never intended to be tabled so that the people of the Cayman Islands, the general public, would have access to it? Marshall says, now y'all see that the previous government didn't give a rasp behind about the people of the Cayman Islands, thank God they're out, and make sure to keep them out for good. What was going to happen? This this report was done at the request of the governor. So, what was going to happen with this report? Was this never going to come to the public's attention? This is a grievous um breach of the law and the people have a right to know. Natasha says we need more leaks of these reports. To really know what's going on. Hmm. Well, let me tell y'all what my position on it is. Anthony says, hashtag more leaks. My position is this, if civil servants were that comfortable, and I don't know who leaked it, whether it was a civil servant or somebody else, but if people actually believed that the system worked, that there was accountability, that people would be held responsible. You would find that there would be very few leaks happening, but clearly people do not have faith in the system. So the government says, the governor says, you know, we're working on it. And this leak compounds the situation. It jeopardizes certain things. What, what is it jeopardizing? Like I need an explanation of exactly what that means. You know, what exactly is it jeopardizing? (laughs) Do we the people not deserve to know that these breaches have occurred? And there's some serious failings here that need to be fixed. Mary's wondering about the Brussels office getting school fees paid. And they said, well, who was that? Who's going to the Brussels office? Why are they getting a school school fee paid and nobody else's? Gabby says anything to try and make Pat government look bad. Natasha says a dump contract was not in the island's favor. Well, you know, we have not even had a chance to delve through that to see what is what and what is what, right? There has to be some accountability here. I agree. El Ray says at minimum, They should be made to face the people, the Cayman people, and explain how these offices were supposed to work and benefit the Cayman people. Well, if they didn't take the time to do that before setting up the offices, I doubt they're going to be doing that now. In fact, just yesterday, um, the leadership of the Pac government, Joey and... uh, Mr. Matt Taggart, Mr. Roy, we're on with OC. Roy said um he didn't even bother to read the report. That's how much he cares about you, the people. I hope y'all remember this. When it when push comes to shove. Because he doesn't even think this is important enough to read before he goes on the airwaves. What 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 is he going on the radio for? The only topical thing right now that people are talking about is this report. This fell under your government. Why would you not read it? Oh, I can't comment on it because I didn't read it. Really? You expect us to believe that? Yeah, we look that dumb, I suppose. People been voting you in, so some of y'all really not got no sense. Suzette says complacency in jobs after numerous years, so sad but true magdalene had to go there eric burst cctv yeah so there's the questions about that system which has never really worked security contracts um the the police uh what are the monitors called the ankle monitors remember that was a whole fiasco under mr bush as i recall prisoners could take them off and they didn't even know they're breaking into little old people's homes until one of them got shot and killed And then all of a sudden, when you talk about real-world consequences, now a prisoner's dead, somebody in bail is dead, and a poor old man has to live with the fact that he actually took somebody's life, albeit he was a criminal. I'm sure that rests heavy on the poor little old man. And then it's like, oh, oh yes. We have ankle bracelets that uh, are not really that great. And we need to secure them better. Mm, I guess we better fix this. The collateral damage of not putting systems in place before it all goes to hell in a handbasket continues to be a problem. Somebody mentioned, like, thank God that we are not um, independent yet. Because if it's this bad already, And we didn't have the oversight, but then, you know, people are saying, what kind of oversight do we have? What kind of oversight? How much did the governor understand and knew about these overseas offices? Would he have not said, oh, but wait a minute, all this is being pushed through right now, Mm, uh, doesn't the law say this? Does he know the constitution? Does he know the law? Or is he going to say, well, that has nothing to do with me. That's internal affairs but he's the one who's ultimately in charge of the hiring and firing and whatever practices for the civil service. So what is his role in all of this as well? So Al Rey says it happened because of one of, or all of the following profit position or P <laughs> or P, P. all this influences and in the history of books. And they all begin with P no pun intended. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, sometimes you got to get into the details of these reports because I know a lot of you ain't got no time to be reading no no pages, but you'll sit here and watch me go through the pages, if you know what I mean. Suzette says, messy, messy, and hardworking people can't get their foot in government. Mm -mm -mm, Because they like yes people. Perla says they need to go to church and confess their sin child. I don't know if that can help them. Hot mess is right. Thank you, Damien. Uh, Linda says an outside firm was hired to review the candidates brings to mind another OEG report on K is not getting value for money for consultants hired by government. That was a 2018 report. Yeah. Says how effectively it procures consultants to ensure that it receives value for money and how well it manages consultants. Yes, child. Incompetent says John. Uh, Mary says, we wanna know the name of the panel. Not not one corrected any errors or noticed anything wrong. How? And these are supposed to be professionals on these panels, by the way. Magdalene says, it seems like people need to take early retirement and leave on a high note. And that's why they were upset about the release of the report. Some heads need to roll. Absolutely. <laughs> Magdalene says, The more that you read, the worse I feel. Well, trust me, we should all be very disappointed in this. And that's the, that's the, that's the question, Mary. Would we have even known? Aspersions. Thank you, Anthony. You know, would we have ever known? Well, thank God. For whoever the rogue people are that leaks these reports, I say keep leaking them. Leak on. I know that will not make me uh, popular with the government, even because it'll be leaked on them. The governor, I'm sure, doesn't like that. Nobody likes me to say continue leaking the documents, but I'm going to say it. Be smart when you got to leak something. Okay. Do not leave any electronic trails. Don't be emailing it to anybody because there's an audit trail on your computer. And a lot of these systems have audit trails. So don't jeopardize your job and don't get yourself in no trouble. But leak on and leak on. Yes, Debbie, that's the question. Whistleblower protection needs to be expanded in this country. And it is what it is. Bobby says, good old Lodge Brothers. Natasha says, we're a glossed up version of Africa regarding corruption and lack of government transparency. Hmm. <laughs> El Ray says, remove the depends and let it flood. You guys remember last week we reported, there's a report on CMR about uh, the most corrupt countries in the region. Let me see if I can find this for y'all in case you missed it. Um, Haiti, unfortunately for them, no surprise there, they talked uh, the five most corrupt countries in the Caribbean. Now, I'm pleased to say that we're actually not on this list, but it doesn't mean that we don't have elements of corruption here. So Haiti, DR, Guyana, Trinidad, Jamaica, they round out the top five. Barbados is ranked the least corrupt country in the Caribbean, which is very, very interesting. Because that's where we should be. <laughs> so, isn't it funny that we're not in that position? Huh. Go check it out. It is the 2021 Corruption Perception Index, transparency.org. Let me see where Man is. man. What? They don't have us listen? Huh? Oh, the heck are we not on this list? Uh, what am I missing here? <laughs> the Cayman Islands is not on the list? How can that be? So they have Cuba, Jamaica. We're not even on the map. What the? Well, no wonder. No wonder they haven't, no wonder we're not the least corrupt because we might be we might be up at the top, but we wouldn't even know. Look here. They have Jamaica. Um, where's Cayman? Why are we not on the map? Oh, child, they got us in white. Our name doesn't even show up. I'm clicking on it. That's us right there. Can you all see that? And we're not on the list. How can that be? Every other country in the world seems to be there. Some of these little islands aren't, but. Why aren't we on the list? That's so bizarre. There's Jamaica. There's Haiti. DR. What's this little piece that's off Haiti? Caymana. there. Well, that explains that. I guess we do fall under the UK. And God knows they're probably well up the list. They should, they should separate dependent territories. Let's see. The UK is number 122 out of 180, that's that's not impressive at all. Uh, the ugly truth, yes, Eric actually worked at Kim and Airways, interestingly enough, he did. Johan, good morning, it says it's clear the public were never supposed to know about the breaking of several laws by the senior officials in civil service, It is clear that they would rather protect one of their special ones than hold the persons for breaching the laws accountable. The civil service is like another political party where a few are special. Mm -mm -mm. Hot mess. Yes. Hello, Gigi. Hi, Sue. Howard say we not even registered, Shell. If it was any other uh, regular civil servant, not this particular chief officer that broke the law, the Anti-Corruption Commission and investigations would already be in full swing. The double standards are disgusting, especially when a senior official breaks. The obviously higher ups are protecting him and may be involved. It is, um, it is a good question because in my mind, I agree with uh, Johan that there seems to be some police investigation or some anti-corruption investigation that should be An investigation should at least be launched and then they can dig further to see whether or not any charges would be merited. I'm not saying that there should be any charges necessarily, but look into it. Launch the investigation. See what's going on. We the people deserve that much. But you see, folks, um, this is what happens when you elect people who don't care about the law themselves. This is why even with this current administration, I say keep a watchful eye. And everybody. Be careful. Right? Because you cannot be appearing to not care about procedure, which is the law and the legalities of something and doing it the right way. The ends do not justify the means when there's laws in place to ensure that it is done a particular way if they're global standards now that we're not adhering to then we certainly need to codify those so that this never happens again but i don't understand how we keep dropping the ball someone was reminding me um recently about jps right remember when justice henderson sued them and it was this whole oh yeah, you know, okay, we got to do some training of JPs and this not and the next thing. All right, that didn't happen. You know what had happened years later when I turned around and sued the government for the exact same thing that Justice Henderson sued them for, an unlawful search warrant. And it was ironic because Justice Henderson was the one who actually got my case. And he's like, here we are again he was asking the little old man who's a JP for 25, 30 years, sir. How many shirt warrants have you signed over the years? Thousands. And you have never in 20 something years questioned the police about a search warrant. This was the, pro- this was a, the AG's office. I'll never forget this moment with Suzanne Bothwell. I felt really bad for Suzanne in that moment. Cause I'm like, she's making a legal argument that is helping improve in my case. She asked him, well, how long have you had been JP? How many search warrants have you signed? You know, did you ask the, the, um, the police about the search warrant? No. And I stood up on cross-examination. I said, do you ever ask the police about anything about search warrants? No. The judge was like, what? You know, judges can ask questions, right? And sometimes you see, they ask questions and the expression, on their face, they're shocked. Justice Henderson was like, "Um, excuse me, let me just clarify and ask the question again in the 20 plus years that you've been signing search warrants for the police, you have never questioned the police. Like, wait a minute. You say this, you have this. No, judge Henderson was like, what? And then he actually said, as Suzanne continued, he said, uh, madam. I'm not sure that this line of questioning is actually helping your case because it's proving the point of the plaintiff that you have incompetent people signing search warrants for a criminal search warrant and they don't even know what they're signing. At one point she asked the poor little, I felt so bad for him. This was just ridiculous. She asked him what a particular word on the search warrant meant. He didn't even know. He said, I don't know. Point being, incompetence runs throughout. They didn't fix it the first time with Justice Henderson, although they were supposed to. It was only after I sued them again years later that I sued them, and it was in the news again. Oh, still no JP training. Now let me ask you all a question. They eventually introduced some kind of training regime. When was the last time a JP had any training? It's on paper now, at least they got that much and they've done some initial training. Are they constantly being every year? Is it, you know, it's, a, it's a, an honorary appointment so nobody can really take it from you but the governor and he never does that. No real requirements. When was the last time anybody did any training? What did the training entail? You see, this is a slackness in the system that I'm talking about. Your hand says the Anti-Corruption Commission will block an investigation into this matter once you connect the dots. Big players will get... Uh, burnt and exposed. Well, it needs to stop. How can we have any faith in our governments and in the system when there are no checks and balances? Someone on WhatsApp says Moxham is right. The process is known as CYA, covering your donkey. No, sir. Can someone please let Denroy McLaughlin know? He's from East End, apparently. That his um, driver's license has been found and probably his wallet, Um, but at least his driver's license, Mr. Denroy McLaughlin, uh, all y'all in here practically are Caymanians, so message Mr. Denroy. Uh, We'll tell him where his license is. Nope. Anyway, folks, um, it's just a hot mess. The system doesn't always work, and this is a clear example of the issues. Uh, John Henry says governance issues need to be implemented. Processes, sorry, government processes need to be implemented in the civil service. Or if there are documented processes, they need to be revisited, upgraded, and followed by extensive training at all levels. And they need to be followed. You know, and and just like, let me just say this as well. In this situation with JPs, you know, who's on the hook when, when they get it wrong because of lack of training or whatever. Well, thank God that courts have always said, yes, they have to be named on, on the lawsuit as a matter of legality. But just what the doctors expressed the other day, the AG's office throwing the JP under the bus, she had to get her own lawyer to defend it. And the judge said, all right, she was wrong. She got it wrong. The police customs, everybody lied to her and she got it wrong, but she's not going to be held responsible for the bill. The millions of dollars that are going to be paid out because of that situation. We are not going to let that poor woman have to suffer because of government lies and incompetence. It's just ridiculous. Johan says, politics, the rank and file on the silver server should wonder what makes this individual special and worthy protection for these significant breaches outlined in the report. And unfortunately, when you have someone else makes the point. That. Certain people have had so many situations and fiascos, following them, following them, following their entire career, and nothing has ever happened, you do then begin to question, how is this possible? Because we've seen other people go through similar, like a little heat and you know, even if their contract is paid out, at least they're removed from the civil service. I can give you a few examples of that. It tends to be women though that that happens to really. Let's not talk about the misogyny, misogynistic aspects of the civil service either, because then y'all can get into a whole other discussion. No lack of accountability. Yes. Is there accountability as a result of these many dead time and time again? My apologies. My situses are really not happy today. Just left to evaporate. That's the right word. Uh Johan reminds us of George Orwell's uh, book, The Animal Farm. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Take that. That summarizes the mess. Let's end the show with that note. Uh, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, do have yourselves a good day tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what else is topical. But, of course, I do want to talk about a few things that have been happening in court, bringing you guys up to date and some of those happening. So, um, by the way, in Cayman Brac, kudos, um, the plate, the, the vessel, uh, the tanker that was out there docked for over a week is finally coming in, um, today. So this morning she should have been docking and unloading her fuel, uh, so that she can now be on her way. So remember she was out there because of a number of, um, a number of, uh, people on board having COVID then the local pilot had COVID. So he was in isolation. I'm not sure why we don't have more than one people that could guide one person that could guide her in. But anyway, another viewer says this, uh, Sandy, this is mind boggling. What a bunch of criminals. And to think that they have the audacity to threaten an investigation. Wow. Oh my God. Organized crime Mason Lodge. May God help us. What a hot mess. Uh, another viewer said it's just it's, it is disgusting. Family members. Oh, okay, oh yes, Joe. Uh huh. Uh, this person says, "Don't forget the mess with the contracts to build schools when he was education minister." Speaking now about Alden. So um, y'all keep voting them in. That's what I got to tell you. You know, only so much we can do if you keep voting them in because they find a way to finagle themselves into a leadership role in the, um, in the government. And then we all suffer as a result. Folks, have a beautiful day. Be blessed, not stressed. We will continue to hamper on these issues and to demand change, right? And we're going to get it. Trust me.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.